Well, we're recording at a new time. Extra early for Brandon. It's uh, 6.30 a.m. I can confirm. Yes, 6.30 a.m. Or, or it go. was 6.30 when we started. That's right. I have my shower. I'm, I'm, I'm bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to podcast. Oh, you took a shower. I did. Well, I had to. Wow. Otherwise, I'd, I'd be completely dead. I wouldn't like mm. it'll just I'd be even more monotone than I sound right now. Now, this is OK. I was going to ask about fruit salad, but I think we've got a better, a better. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say, you know, salad. don't worry, that, well, that'll come up in a future episode. We'll, we'll come back to fruit you know. salad. Don't worry. Now, you know, you know, famously, uh, some of the reviews of, of uh, the, the two, the two uh, Susan Sant- Santog. I can never say her name. Anyways, SS, as they tragically call her, uh, or the Susan Sontag uh, Diaries. There's two of them published. I'm sure we're all eagerly awaiting the third that will cover yes. the uh, the 90s, her relationship with Annie Leibovitz, other things like that. That'll be fun. Uh, anyhow, as some of the reviewers pointed out, what kind of person needs to frequently write reminders to herself and encouragement to bathe? And it does it does come up a lot in her journals that like, you know, she'll have these lists every now and then every couple of years of like things to start doing and bathing always shows up. Take a shower daily. And so, you know, I think I think about that. a lot. I think as I've established, I don't take a shower daily. I think we discussed this uh, a little while ago, but I do remember a time where taking a shower was the wake up mechanism. Yeah. And and now I feel like now my wake up mechanism is kind of just slowly going into the day, get some coffee, sit for about 30 minutes or an hour, get some more coffee and I, you know, and just kind of like let my mind like ease on in and then, you know, kind of crash into all the chaos of like uh, getting the kids to school and all that kind of stuff. But I've been thinking that I need to change up my routine in the morning. Uh, because I, I, I'm getting antsy with like that routine of sitting around reading, whether I'm reading books. I used to read the RSS feeds a lot. And I don't know, that's gotten kind of boring because it's just yeah. like the same shit over and over again. Just like as, as perhaps we'll talk about later, you know, just reinventing Heroku every five years. Um, but <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> sorry, I should have warned about the spoiler. But uh, like, so I've been thinking maybe I should finally take that like, you know, 10 or 20 minutes of learning, you know, actually focusing on learning Dutch, which I've done for two days. And Ooh. you know what they say, once you do it for two days in a row, you're going to do it every day afterwards. Right? So it's a lifetime <laughs> habit. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's exactly what they say. I think, I think there's that book that David <laughs> Handelmeister Hammerstein and Malcolm Gladwell wrote, and it basically covers that. It's, they it's, should uh, pair up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Base habits. Uh I think <laughs> habits on rails. Uh, and, and so, but now I'm thinking maybe, maybe it's the shower. I could put that in there. I've also thought maybe I should take the dog on a walk. You know, the new house we're moving into doesn't have a yard. So we'll have to take the dog on a walk, but I wanted to, I wanted to open it up to you and maybe the, the, the listeners can tell us in, in the Slack channel, if they want to join yeah. it at some point, or, you know, if you're watching the the live streaming now, like yeah, what, yeah. What are some things I could put? What's a toolbox for my morning routine? Well, my only my only requirement is that after I do it, I feel like I haven't entirely wasted my time. You know what I mean? Like oh, I wouldn't want to want to hear from me. <laughs> yeah, I I, w- I wouldn't want to like I wouldn't want my routine to be like let's see what's on Netflix and just kind of like watch yeah. entertainment. 
like somewhere I, I saw, you know, it was like, I don't know, it was a motivational quote or something, you know, like Benjamin Franklin or, you know, Gandhi or somebody who was like, hey, you should <laughs> totally, totally paraphrasing the wrong person. Um, it was essentially uh, read at night and write in the morning. And mm. I've been thinking about that, not doing it, but thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I used to, I used to do uh, I think what they call like some journaling in in the morning. Yeah, but, that's writing. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is like it just turned into my my journal of complaining, and like like You're I did that for I did that for a couple of years, and I feel like it wasn't healthy. Like, and so I kind of every now and then I just like do do some of that just to kind of keep up with things. But I've tried recently not not writing as much because it's uh, I don't know. You know, everyone's like, you're supposed to have a gratitude journal, but that does get to something is like, uh, maybe there is some sort of long-term uh, project I should work on, some writing project. Well, I do right? think the writers, it does seem like it's very popular with people, like more of the professional writers, journalists, uh, others that they do. It does seem like it's get up early, you know, yeah. and you know, knock out, like set a lot, uh, come up with your, your kind of your quota on like how many words written and just like forcing yourself. Like the first thing I do is I get up and I write, well, I don't know, thousand words, you know, whatever, whatever that number is. And it does, even in you force yourself every day to do it. And then I think with the advent of Substack and, you know, our fat, uh, our friend, uh, Matt Le- uh, Levine over at Bloomberg, like, I think he gets up 5.00 AM cranks out. I don't know how many thousands of words that are in those things. And then, you know, I think he sort of is, you know, not done for the day, but that that's his main thing. So, it's, you know, you seem like the kind of person that like for you, Cote, like, I don't know if it's a, if it's a newsletter, maybe it's like a, it's a yeah. weekly newsletter. Yeah. You get up and you write, I don't know what your newsletter Wait, would be. Maybe a couple hundred words. There a was day. a newsletter. Oh yeah. I but I, I haven't really, I don't, do I know, but it's, like you know, I think you go, I think one of the topics of Cote's newsletter is the fact that he doesn't publish the newsletter as much. Like <laughs> that's usually like, it'll pop out. Right. That's one of the, uh, you get it, you're like, Oh, Cote's back, baby. Uh, but that could be about, a way about, that could be, that could just, be your habit. Be like, I'm going to pump out. Let's see if you did what 200 words a day and did it five days and you sent it on Fridays, that'd be what a thousand word newsletter. That's probably more than enough. Right. That would be, yeah. So, yeah. Maybe so you can do that. One well-crafted tweet. Yes. <laughs> That, no, that's the no more tweets. I don't. I don't want any more. No more tweets. I, yeah, no. I don't know. I could. I, feel, I mean, you can. I don't know. I feel like maybe that's I, you can do with yes. less of those. I I have greatly scaled back my my Twitter reading lately, and uh, it's probably for the best. I've been gotten kind of busy with a lot of other reading I have to do. Got a got a bone up on the latest Heroku Challenger. That would be bad one, though. Could you like watch a? Um, there's so much uh, online you know, videos to learn whatever, anything from Tanzu to the public class or something like that. Like pick mm. like, you know, like you or know, Dutch. Watch or Dutch. Yeah, watch the uh watch a twenty minute video on something that you're trying to get better at. Maybe it'd be Dutch. Maybe it could be uh something in technology. Maybe it could just be something completely unrelated to all of that. So you you got so that you got your twenty minutes of learning slash catching up on. Not catching up is the wrong word. Because it could be like, you know, as you, there's always these uh, videos that one should watch or uh, you want to keep up with things and uh, maybe you cue those up. Maybe uh, maybe you could find like, you know, the local Amsterdam morning news or something. Mm, yes. <laughs> but I feel like all of this it. is probably too much work. Like, I feel like let's at least leave the listeners yeah. with one other idea. Like, I, I, I've i heard like reasonably successful people talk about, because uh, I think there are two camps. There are the people 
the Mark Wahlberg camp. I don't know if you've ever seen his like uh, morning routine, get up at two 30 in the morning, work out for two hours, eat a breakfast. I mean, it's just absolutely that's, that's not morning. That's, uh, that's still nighttime. Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous, but like, so like, let's take that end of the spectrum, right. Where you like, you basically have a full day before you get before normal people get up. And then I've heard mm-hmm. other famous people say that, you know, that's the time to just let up and let your mind just be free. Right. Let your mind go free. You were kind of talking about this before. It's like, get up in the morning, putz around, go to the thing that's most interesting to you, let your mind free. And as you will say, like an extended boot up into the day. Right. Because then it's sort of like you've had time. And then I've heard some people, uh, again, they're, I don't know if any of this advice is good, but they're just famous and successful. They'll say, like, they'll start their day around, like, say, 10 a.m. Right. Like, 10 a.m., they want to have like their hard thinking meetings. Right. Like that stuff we're going to have some kind of difficult decision to make. Like you sort of like have those in the morning after you boot it up. And then your afternoon is maybe more like your less important administrative stuff you've got to do. But you're not like, you know, you're not trying to file. You don't want you your go. full mental faculties. Right. So maybe you kind of organize your day that way. Read okay. at night, right in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, OK, that was helpful. Maybe next uh, episode we'll talk about fruit salad. Well, hi there. It's me. This episode is brought to you by Strong DM. One of your SREs quit. You suspended their VPN access. Was that good enough? Are you sure your infrastructure access is locked down? Strong DM is the only way to be confident in your access controls across any environment. Instantly revoke access to any database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to demonstrate exactly who did what, when and where across your entire stack. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi, StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting workflows. Start your 14-day trial at strongdm.com sdt. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com sdt. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Enjoy the rest of the show. Well, you know, in one of our favorite topics, I guess I did give a little spoiler earlier. Uh, like there, there's some interesting developments in the, uh, uh, let, let's call it the evolution of uh, application architectures that use uh, serverless or, and that also use like the, uh, the, the GitOps idea of how you do your, uh, as people like to say, path to production. Basically your, your build pipeline. What do people call that? Matt Ray nowadays in your neck of the woods. CICD. They say CICD. <laughs> How about you, Brandon? I, I, I mean, that that's just kind of the catch-all, right? You know, say, oh yeah, you've got your CICD. And and then they're like, yeah. And everyone just kind of nods. And then yeah. they're like, yeah. I feel like it's supply chain now, now because I feel like it's entered the Ooh, business lingo, yeah. right? Because I'll be, everyone's talking about supply chain security, right? Because of all the solar winds and other yeah, hacks yeah. that yeah. I feel like that's sort of the uh, CICD, certainly the, the technical DevOps well, Just as way. long as you can still shift things left in it. Yeah. Sh- yeah. Shifting left, of course, is always that I've, I think we, I, can we retire that yet? Cause I'm, I'm done shifting left. I'm, I'm at the wall. I am at the, the wall on, on left, but, uh, but I do hear supply chain, like a lot of supply software supply chain. That, that's, I, the new, that's the new thing ever since solar winds. Yeah. Now it's all about supply. Which chain. does make sense. That is a much more accessible phrase to a, a lay person than uh, CICD. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Cause it's like how, how this end thing is put together through yeah. all the suppliers and it's a metaphor yeah. people can understand yeah the software supply chain the secure 
software supply well, that's, chain. That's, that's the new thing. That's right? what that's, you want, that's, right? That's well, a thousand startups have been launched to secure the supply chain, right? Which is, yeah. uh, and most of them are just repurposing code scanning tools that we've known about for years. But hey, to each their own. <laughs> if you, I'm, one man's tool is another man's uh, VC pitch. So go for it. Yeah, you know, I haven't investigated that space very thoroughly. We, we were talking about it a little bit early, so I have to Nothing figure to out all Nothing to investigate. Very little has changed. I think you're good. You, I'll just <laughs> right, right. skip it my, to the next thing. I think, I think my theory, based on what you're saying, you know, that I need to, I need to go and test out. But my theory would be that it's a similar pattern for one of our favorite old things, application performance monitoring. That, like, essentially there's, we, you know, you just kind of reinvent it as technologies change every, every cycle yep. or so. And so, like, if your stuff is running in contain is is in containers containerized and you rely on uh, services and you follow a uh, GitOps secure software supply chain CICD, uh, then slides I guess, write themselves. Yeah, you just you just you just need some you need some new code in order to just do your code scanning and to check what version of software that you're using and throw together some reports. Make sure you've got the right patches deployed. Right, but then like then that. your organization fails to enable two FA, and all the code scanning really wasn't you know that big a problem. That's all. I think it's yeah, all. It's yeah. just a cycle, right? It's always the same cycle. It's like yeah, you can now plug in the scanning tools anywhere, and you can scan all the time. And you know, most of the time they kick out a bunch of information that is uh, useful. Then somebody disables all the warnings because they're tired of getting this, this, the 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 nonsense. And then of course, then inevitably someone leaves the password to GitHub, and hence. You know, you're at a, and a pipeline. Gets the blame. And, and I was going to say, and then then the gasoline on the East Coast is too expensive because of a ransomware attack. So that's how it always goes. It's all the same story. Yeah, shut down <laughs> the pipeline. No, no good. So, anyways, uh, I think there there are, there are three things to 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 go over in Cloudland that I think are, are interesting. One, now maybe you all read this in more detail than I did, but I did some investigating. There's a, AWS has an application migration service. Which yep. I think I think it's just you know I, I didn't they go already find had that. Yeah, right, right. So this is uh, I, I this one I actually know some stuff about for the day job. So this is really the full integration of the tool they bought, Cloud Endure, right? So uh, and as and of course everyone talks about lift and shift, right? So as they kind of say in the article, lift and shift has this everyone has this love hate relationship with it. It's like it's quote the not it's the quote wrong way to do it because you're just taking all the problems with you. But it's the thing that people do most of the time because it's achievable. So, so yeah. you know, it's again like it, it is one of these things where it's like I, every time someone's like, "Oh, well, people shouldn't do that," I'm like, "Okay, well, that's good. Well, then they're basically not going to do anything." So, uh, you know, <laughs> what would you, uh, what would your choice uh, like to be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is this is this a new offering or now? Nah, well, this is they just had the one full... that was only available through partners before, and now it's generally mm-hmm. available. And then they had Cloud Endure, which they bought a few. A few maybe even a couple a year ago plus, and that's been available okay. for a while. So this is sort of the, if you will, the full integration of cloud and and all the technology in there that, that has been right. available in some form for a while. So, but this is now okay. wrapped up in a very nice then, consumable way. And it's all been, you know, if you will, without, AWS. Without going through a partner. Cause I think, I think that was the hook before is like, you had to go through an AWS. I don't partner. think so. I think this is available to anyone. I'm you know, yeah, that's I'll, what I'll I mean. check yeah. it. I think anyone is cause I know. Yeah. yeah I should just, yeah. Because it, it was, it was like you know, we don't have the manpower to do it. You don't have the skills to do it. So you have to use an AWS partner. But and now hey, it's like, if you if you want a partner, I know I know some people. Who can help <laughs> you know so, some people. I was gonna say I know people. So yeah, All if you right. want if you want help, just just feel free to to, to contact me. But I don't think it's mandatory. Um, 
So, so it's good though, but it, it is a good, it's a nice, it is a nice tool, right? For people trying to move to AWS and move the workloads in there. They've done a really nice job with it. Well, I, I like, I like your, uh, your little uh, thing there, right? Like if, uh, you know, if lifted shift is bad, then like, you know, stay and rot is worse, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's sort of, and, and I think it does uh, now, now I, I don't know if, if it's worth making some distinction between lift and shift and replatforming. I mean, there's, there's some distinctions depending on what you think a platform is and stuff like that, but like, should, should we, uh, uh, is it okay to love lift and shift? And in fact, that may be a core, uh, what would you call it? That might be like a core, uh, you know, good thing to do in IT. It's just like always lift, be lifting and shifting. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's if it's a good thing. It's just it is the thing, right? Like kicking mm-hmm. the can down the road for later. That's how we roll, right? And, yeah. and so, you know, why why solve a problem today if you can leave it to somebody else in five years? So, yeah, um, you, you always have to come back to the. The, the brutal reality, like Mike Tyson quote, I like here, it's like, you know, everyone has a plan until they get hit in the face. It's like, I think everyone in the, de- in the broad, broad, let's just call it digital transformation community, right? Anybody mm-hmm. that's out there doing some thought leader and talking about it, right? When you talk about the path and you're usually talking about one or two applications, it's a good story. It makes sense. Okay. But if I took that same person that's maybe giving the speech at any conference or something like that. And I said, okay, you now own this IT environment and I'm going to give you 3000 applications. Okay. And they are all in different technology stacks. Some of them have been around for 20 years. Some have been around for five years. Some of them we have source code for some of them. We don't even know what things have happened. Right. And they all are providing some level of value. Like even the obscure thing that nobody thinks matters, turns out it's important for the procurement uh, group, right? <laughs> yes. And nobody knew that about it. Load bearing software, but yeah. it, it is okay. So, so now that we're sitting, now that you, that all of us, all of us should just take a moment. We're not talking about doing it. We own it now. It's like okay, all right. Now, are you the one that's going to walk in and be like, "I'm going to digitally transform three thousand applications and move them <laughs> to microservices and Kubernetes and containerize it?" Because that's probably a twenty-five year project. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's going to cost so much money and time that. It is very difficult for people to to like take that on, right? So to give people a a step well, forward, I know some companies that'll sign up for it though. I think many people <laughs> I know will, some people right? Who love and and that, maybe we'll love talk. This will get to maybe the future, and maybe this is like where where we're at. It's like the idea that we should, if you will, convert these applications and replatform them to use one of the yet another R for for our conversation here. Um, maybe you know it's just too difficult, right? Like what we've given people to do with these applications is too difficult. So you're kind of giving them, it's almost like a false choice. Like, well, you can re, you can uh, re-architect 3000 applications or you should do nothing. And it's like, well, I, I think there is some value at least getting everything into the cloud, getting used to it, running my corporation and then, and, but not quitting. I guess that's the biggest thing is like, is to tell that person, that same group of people is like, you know, I don't know if we'll ever get to all 3000, but let's just start knocking them out one by one, the most important. Yeah. And eventually we'll get there. And I think that's a reasonable approach to do it. Quitting's a reasonable approach. <laughs> I, well, mean, I mean, there's some of that too, problem. right? There's definitely yeah. people who are like, I don't, I'm just not going to do it. You know, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. There, there should be some more uh, sort of 
more discussion of frameworks for you know the three thousand applications. That would be interesting to uh, to see how people reason through that and think through it. Because you know, I think well, it see it seems like most of the decisions would be based on like cost, and and yeah. then that would be you would first do like an analysis of like can I actually do anything, right? Like, or do I need to do like a massive like rewrite? And well, then and and then you know. So you categorize by that, and then you basically say like, okay, but does is it like, is it profitable to do that? And if it's not profitable, then don't do it, right? Like, in just, but I think uh, you know, it's a kind of a callback to a little bit of our talk last week around the episode. It's like, like it probably is tremendously profitable if you got to the point like the, like take the AWS mantra, right? Like everything uh -huh. is API driven, loosely coupled. Like the whole organization could move a lot faster. But to get to that point, you know, it requires so much, you know, if you will, foresight and political capital in, in most places. And, you know, and it's very rare and kind of like we talked about a little bit last week that you would have a leader at the top. That's just like this. I see it. I see in 10 years if we do this, yeah, right, yeah. that we, we're going to be a totally different company and we're going to use technology to a great advantage. But I mean. Most companies like that's that's very difficult, right? It's very difficult to think that far in the future. Yeah. Well, you know, if you were writing brand new applications, you're probably going to put them in containers, and you might even be using a, a GitOps CI/CD thing. And it and it looks like you know we over in uh, Pivotal Tanzu land, like we've been messing around with this stuff for a while, and there's Heroku before that, but it, but from uh, from uh, Azure, that's the Microsoft cloud. And uh, AWS, the Amazon one, I guess it was this week. They coincidentally released pretty similar things, right? Very much so. Like, uh, oh, what all, was the all, Microsoft one? It's, isn't it uh, Azure Static Web Apps? I, that, oh, I that one's. That. A, and then you've got the AWS App Runner, and it looks like basically what's going on here is uh, the 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 documentation for my few minutes of reading it for the Azure Static Web Apps was a lot more clear than the uh, the App Runner one. But, you know, that's my fault. I didn't read long enough. You know, but, you, you, you could put up an S3 bucket as a website. That's pretty static. Yeah. It's, <laughs> now, the static thing, that was confusing. That took me a while to figure out, which, 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 uh, which I'll get to. Yeah. But essentially, it, both of them are monitoring when you check something in to, uh, to get, and then they will do a, a redeploy for you, you know, uh, of, of your stuff. So it's that dream of, like, from a, from a developer standpoint, that uh, I don't need to worry about all of the uh, the the infrastructure stuff and worrying about setting up networking and all those sorts of things, which you know uh, that's the kind of platform you're supposed to build with the platform for platforms and uh, stuff like that. There's a Kubernetes for that, right? Hey, is that is that a phrase people use? That's great. <laughs> They're going to be using it. But do you think <laughs> Kubernetes think... does that right? Um... <laughs> The phrase, but, you know, I think we've kind of all had our turn at making fun of serverless. Certainly I have, but it is interesting. Like, you know, we talk a lot about like feature benefits and things like that. And I, I think it is interesting that like serverless is really naming the benefit of what people want, right? Like I, yes. like, what are people saying? People are saying like, I do not want to have to work so much at all this infrastructure, configure the servers and networking, the storage, you know, all of the problems that go along. Like that's, that is, I mean, so it's, so it's almost like the industry has like collectively stated, like, we do not want this. Like, we don't know what can replace it, but we want serverless. And I think it is interesting, kind of back to like that 3000 applications. It's like, 
this is probably the like this is a response to that. It's like don't try to make me manage. Right. Don't don't give me more Kubernetes and more containers to manage for my three thousand applications. Give me a new path forward that is quote serverless. That is like not going to do it. So so I think that's why we just keep seeing you know, multiple companies take runs at this, right? It's like, well, yeah. and I think Heroku, I don't, I don't know who the first is. I mean, it seems like Heroku, I don't, I don't know if they were the yeah. first, maybe it's like wrong to say that, but they feel like they kind of hold that title to me. Like they're kind of the big one. And it's like, yeah. well, that, that kind of lost steam, although it's still around, right? I mean, people still are still around. doing stuff with it. Yeah. Um, people you know, obviously like it. They keep reinventing it. <laughs> the Cote, I know, like Pivotal, this was a big pitch of Pivotal, right? This was kind of a big and part of that. it still is. Right? But yes. There it is, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, so so I think the, uh, uh, I mean, both of these are, I think I think there's two interesting things. And then I'll go back, come back to the serverless thing. But like, these are both essentially like, like PaaS's, platform as a service. And and they're not really like presented that way, but they basically uh, they do a lot of the selecting and conf- they they to put it in in a, a snarky way they limit developer choice. They make a bunch of decisions for developers in the name of like now we can automate things right like instead of having people wire stuff together. And I didn't investigate like when it comes to uh, App Runner like what services you can use and not use like it felt like a lot of what's what's in there is just like, here's the way you would package things to deploy in this. We'll hook it up to your, your repository or whatever and deploy things for you. And then also we'll, we'll set up load balancing and scaling and things like that for you. And I don't know, you know, that a lot of it's, it's very, if you look at some of the pages, it's very similar. I haven't looked at our Heroku page in a long time, but Heroku, I think they still, it's still the same thing. They had these dynamos, which are basically just like, I don't know, the software development equivalent of trim packages to put on your car, right? Like all, all, all the various things you would want on your application. Ooh, it's our type. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so that's, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that's used. And to your point with both of these, uh, Brandon, like, it's interesting to think about, like, I don't know what this is called, uh, but like, it's not so much a rewriting as just like, I mean, I guess you would use the strangler pattern name for this, but like, let's just like start kind of redoing the applications and only write what we need and then just turn off other stuff, which doesn't really work very effectively. That's still like no. a long-term I, thing, but you know, it's, it's interesting to think how you could, you know, go to those procurement people and be like, could I just write that application for you? Like, what, what do you need? Do you need some low code? You need a Google form or something? I don't know. You know, most of the procurement things I've dealt with it seems like they could just use a google form but i think you're and- hitting on i think you're hitting on the the key um instead of refactor replace and instead of mm-hmm. replacing with like another container and more infrastructure could you just replace with a a cloud function a lambda function whatever well, right that's like because sometimes you'll find these applications and when you dig into them you're like oh like you're 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 just parsing a, a csc csv file and then you're putting some data into this database. Yeah. And like yeah. when you did that 10 years ago, that did require like you to run a server and some Java code and you had to make sure it was up and running. And it's like, you know, what I could do is I could replace that for you and it would be better to just replace it. So write, rewrite the function and do it. And then that is probably a better way forward than all of this refactor, lift and shift. You know what I mean? It's like exactly. I'm rethinking yeah. the business. I'm not just I mean, moving stuff forward. 
the most painful part of of most of this IP, especially if you have three thousand applications, is operating systems. It's it's you know whether it's even if even if we're talking about containers, it, you know it's it's having to maintain all that infrastructure that is non differentiated, right? There's no value and you know in having a Red Hat Seven operating system. Yeah, and I think this <laughs> like, is why you see so much. That's just it. Yeah, and I think this is why, you know, I if you will, we just keep rediscovering the same thing. Cause I think people keep looking inside the applications. So like, and I think there's kind of this collective, like the business logic isn't actually that complicated. Right. And it's usually sometimes confined. You can look at it and be like, Oh, that's written in node or that's some Java. Like you can kind of see it inside this large application. And you're like, if I could just pull that out mm-hmm. and make it a function or Lambda, whatever, you know, phrase we want to use, then I think, you know, then I'm really just have, and I think that's why people keep wanting a way to do it. It's like, if I had a way to just run this and it scaled up and down and it was secure and all of this stuff was taking care of me that we largely just called serverless, I think people keep saying, that's what I want, right? Now, now to be more fair about it, though, is um, let's take Heroku. It's like, okay, we're going to do that. They had all this, the customer meetings. They heard everything. And they're like, we're going to give you that. And then they showed up. <laughs> The customers are like, whoa, 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 that's too constraining. You like, you no, you just, you, you're not going to let me do anything I want. And you're like, and you're in like, the same way, like, no, no, horses? but I, I yeah. told you, I, I, you said this is what you wanted. I'm taking away all your problem. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean I don't have a command line? There's not like, what about my ops team? What are they going to do? You know, so people kind of just have this rejection of it. So I think that's why we keep seeing in the industry, right? It's like people like they go talk to customers are like, oh, this is what they want. And then the customer's. It's too much change. They reject it, right? And they're like, hey, is there a service that just lets me migrate my VMs over? And they're like, hence, AWS migration service. You know, or they're like, that one's too constraining. Try again. And now, you know, I think uh, there's the the, the tweet where they're like, I want to run a containerized app on AWS. Choose one of nine different services, right? You know, there's so many different ways to do the same thing. Uh, You know, but they're probably is a justification for each of them, right? I saw there's a, a tweet, I'll put it in the show notes, a breakdown of like SQS versus Kinesis versus SNS, like which messaging service to use on AWS. And it's like, cause there's like four or five and, you know, they actually broke it down. Like there are use cases for each of them. So maybe there's the difference between- Well, we know because it's AWS that there was, at the end of this, there was a couple customers that wanted exactly that. Now, whether it was worthy to generalize it to a product, I think that's true. And then the other thing that we are creating here, and this is why people keep recreating, is like the learning curve for the new thing gets pretty steep pretty fast, right? You know, just serverless in general, right? And then it's like people don't, you know, it takes a lot to learn it. And then they kind of feel like, wait a minute, you, you trapped me. Like now I'm learning something that feels like it may not be around for that long. And it's learn. just just as complicated as all these servers. And so they, they get away from it. Or, or there's some use case that they can dumb down enough to make it into its own service, sure. right? They're like, oh, you keep doing this GitOps thing where all you want to do is deploy a static web page on a commit. Yeah, we could do that as a service. Yep. Right. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't need a quit writing that Lambda. This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. 
Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com slash stt. That's cbtnuggets.com slash stt. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. Start learning today at cbtnuggets.com slash stt. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Well, there's one last thing I wanted to talk about to up level a little bit. I think, uh, okay. I think, I think you know, uh, a good track and legacy comp will be this kind of like strategic consideration of what you do with those three thousand applications. We can call it the three thousand track. If if the number three thousand isn't used for something significant brand wise already, I, I don't know. I have to look that up. I feel like no, that was the 300 club was, was like that eighties Christian thing. Right. But it's 300, not 3000. That was a 700 club, 700 club. 300 was the, the movie with the Spartans and stuff. Oh, that's right. I wonder what it was 700 about. I should go look that up because that's an odd number, right? 700. It's, it's, Uh, you know, it's 34 more than 666. (laughs) Hmm. Good, good point. And then, and then if you add three and four, you get seven and you just, if you put two zeros behind it, now you got a stew going. Oh my gosh. That's probably what it means. It's probably, it's a a fractal later, I I think is what it is. So, so the, to the static part of Azure static web apps, Matt Ray, when I was reading through this, I think why it's static is you deploy your, your front end. I don't know if this would also work with apps written natively on a phone, but like, you know, you deploy your static files for your web stuff, your UI, which I think if I read it correctly, then can call back to, uh, you know, Azure serverless stuff to do all of its, would one say dynamic, to do its dynamic things. And so I I think that's why it says, you know, why it's not just Azure web apps, which would be a great name but why static is in there. And then it directly, you know, it, it also kind of hooks up to something Brandon was talking about earlier, where like you got, you got this serverless thing that's kind of like uh, a, a fun solution running around for, for a problem to solve that people want to apply it to. So now my analysis is probably a little shallow and poor, but it gets to this, uh, you know, the, the broader thing that I'm always kind of like puzzling around in my head is like, I feel like there's some sort of architectural pattern going on here, some like style of development. And you wouldn't, I don't know, I guess you could call it serverless. And then there's also like reactive development, but like I very rarely encounter like what, so what type of development are we doing nowadays? Like, and let's get people out talking about that more and the architecture that you use. And I think, I think what gets kind of confusing in this kind of stuff is that at least for me is that like, so much of it involves the actual like infrastructure and operations and the uh as as we called it earlier your your secure your supply chain CICD or whatever and all of that stuff kind of blends together into being the application and i'm always kind of looking for like here's here's the written down pattern of doing an application like that and uh i don't know maybe maybe if you have a running instance of of doing it like if i understand what the the static web apps are correctly then it's something to run with other than just saying like containerized applications that are distributed applications. And uh, I don't know, similarly, you know, 
there's kind of like a application architecture that if you run your stuff in Kubernetes, you're highly encouraged to follow without it being explicit, which I always found confusing. Like the 12 factor stuff? Yeah, I mean, there's that, but it's sort of like, like I remember way back when, when I had an interview with uh, that guy, Justin, who kind of wrote a book kind of along these lines, like I forget who his co-author was a while ago, but it's sort of like, you know, so once you're running stuff in, in Kubernetes, there's like a, there's a life, I think they, at the time, there's like five life cycle events that your uh, code will go through at any time, right? Like, and start, so, stop, reload. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some other stuff and, and, and health checks. So like already we've got a requirement. It's almost like, yep. it's almost like if you're architecting a building and you're like, well, we know in this region we have fire code. So we have to start with that. Right. Yeah, like, like it's 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 crafts craftsman houses of of, of uh, web apps or of, of app styles, right? They're all right, going right, to be the right. same, but people might paint them differently. <laughs> right, and 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 so anyway, you know, not to go on about it because I don't really know what I'm talking about, and so it's difficult even for me to listen to it. But like, you know, if you are putting your app in Kubernetes, then you also have like, you know, you've got do you slice everything up into small components of containers and and like. Uh, I don't remember what the the side loading stuff is called anymore, but like, then do you move stuff into that part of it or do you write stuff in your own containers and what services are provided here and on and on and on, right? Like there's all these considerations and it seems like over the past three to four years, like there's no like architectural standardization. It's just like everyone figures out some different way of doing stuff, kind of, sort of. Versus like you have, you have like a more constrained service like this. And it's like, no, you just like write your front end and then you call to some serverless stuff in the back end. And that's yeah. it. No, no more architecture talk. And uh, I, it, it'd be, it'd be, it'd, it'd be nice to sort of like have like three of those design. I don't even know what to call it, but like patterns of an application that you do and just kind of like settle on that. That, that would be but I think that's you know you've hit on I think what is where the industry is today is like we kind of have the high level requirements just what you said it's like you want to auto scale you don't want to have to mess with it you want to you want to have this pattern but we can't we haven't collectively settled in on like this is the pattern that is if you will that solves those requirements but it's flexible enough to mm-hmm. you know that most people feel like it does what they want and we're all going to collectively if you will put our efforts to like learning that. Whereas, you know, maybe like you, the closest thing would be something like Kubernetes, which is obviously very infrastructure specific where it's like, you know, maybe there are a lot of container orchestration systems, but that was the one that we collectively said, Hey, let's all go figure that out and learn that. And whether it's app runner or many of these other serverless solutions, it's, it, that's, you know, and I think, you know, obviously Kote, you can speak more about Tanzu and others, right. It's, it's an open shift. We'll throw that in here as well. Right. It's like, that's what I think everyone's trying to figure out is like, can someone find, you know, the right feature set that's easy, but still flexible enough that gets mm-hmm. industry-wide adoption. And, and that's why, so we'll say Haruko, we'll just, even if they weren't, we'll just say that they were, they were the first, right. They took the first attempt didn't hit and now there's we've seen a, a bunch of others and and obviously a lot of these are still under active development so everyone's trying to figure that out so if you get that right if and when that gets right you could unlock a whole nother set of digital transformation right so you get away so that's that may be the ultimate answer to this 3000 applications is this other thing 
that we haven't quite coalesced around. Right, we right, even right, thought right. it was I, I, containers, but we're not there. I don't think there is there. A, a one thing, though. I mean, just like we've seen, you know, the, the nine AWS services, they're going to be, you know, there's going to be dozens of startups trying to do that, you know, one simple thing. And Kubernetes is just the under under infrastructure that nobody cares, nobody's painted, you know, needs to know about, right? The interface developers want is I commit to Git and my app gets deployed. They don't care that it's Kubernetes. So, so you know, you could say, oh, it's a Kubernetes thing, but it, it doesn't matter, right? All right. So you hear know, me out then. Here, what here. they want, what they want is the uh -huh. same, the same experience. They want to run AWS App Runner type experience and not know where they are. I agree. So, but I think, so I think that's where we have to get to. It's like, what, what will people like, what's the way to package that, that everyone's going to like agree that's the way to do it. So I think in our, our you know, if you will, relatively short or long careers, depending on like your time horizon would be, I would say the place that we saw this closest would be Java, right? It's like kind of just a new language in the nineties. Right. But Java seemed to hit on you know, this idea of like, hey, as a developer at that time, which is like a long time ago, I know, but it's sort of like, hey, it was like, oh, the syntax is familiar to me. I don't have to deal with memory management. The the built-in libraries do a lot of the stuff I want out of the way as compared to like C or C++ or some other things well, there. And then there was this industry adoption of it. And then, you know, that in a lot of, for a while there, everyone was sort of, that was the new yeah, thing and everyone but, built out. So I just throw that out as like, it can happen, uh, right? It, it, it can, and I think I think the last the last big version of that was probably Rails, right? I Ruby agree. on That's Rails came yeah. with like yeah. this is how you do it, and you get all you know. What was that? Convention over convention over code, code, right? right? Yeah, mm -hmm. or yeah, convention over configuration, and you know, I I, I know I'm I'm you know I'm showing showing my uh, I'm I'm out of the uh, the front end game, so I know I know that there are similar. Right, we have like Node.js and, and, and JavaScript yeah, has a like, lot of oh, frameworks. I do this with right? you, or I do this with you know whatever, but I don't think any of them have the the mind share that Rails captured, you know, and that was probably the peak of those sorts of frameworks. And now, now we're left with you know dozens, if not hundreds, of ways of of doing the same kind of thing. And I don't think you're going to get one size fits all. So I think what you're going to have to do is when you look at those three thousand apps, you're going to try to put them into a manageable set of buckets and you'll be like, look, we can, we can fix those 50, you know, cause that, that was one of the things when, when people talk about like these big digital transformation and containerizing everything, stuff that gets containerized was the easy stuff. Right. And what got left was like the big nasty applications that well, were running I, across. Listen, hundred percent. Like I couldn't agree more. Like that's where we are today. And I just sort of like, as you look into the future, it's like, Maybe it doesn't exist, right? To your point, like it just may not be out there. But I think this is why we're going to continue to see more and more of these attempts, right? Like you're just going to oh, yeah, keep, yeah. everyone's going to keep pushing. And it's like, it's like a hit song. Like if you put enough songs out, like it's popular, like something could get very popular and eventually well, take over. Or it just, you know, it may nah, not happen. The, 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 there's going to be so, that, that's, when, the hit song is the perfect analogy, right? Because you know what there are? There's, you know, so many one hit wonders. Right. There's all these bands that have one song that everybody likes. And then when you get into the enterprise and you look at their jukebox, they've got 3000 songs. Right. And maybe maybe 50 of them are from Michael Jackson. But you know what? There's still, you know, <laughs> 2000 one hit wonders in there. I agree. But, I, you know, maybe another way is just to think it's like it's just like every generation or every group and maybe music is like just trying to like introduce something to us 
something new push it forward so like you know in our like you know the, the window we're talking about it's like well there was a time it was all this crazy C, C++ stuff and like nothing yeah. you, to get anything to run on another platform was impossible. And it's like, okay, Java, it wasn't right once run anywhere. It didn't ever really <laughs> delivered on that, but it was a lot easier. You know what I'm saying? And it was, yeah, it yeah. pushed things, it, if you will, it lowered the bar to building pretty sophisticated applications. And there's a lot of value. And obviously we've, we kind of got to the end of that. Then I think you mentioned Rails, and that you know, and that yeah, sort yeah, of like yeah. picked up, pushed it again a little bit and further. I, I'm loving, I'm loving the music metaphor because you know Java could be like U2, right? They've been around for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. They're still like putting out albums that sell. It's lot, true, but like know, it did whatever. push things forward, and I, that's why I just think like, hey, there is right. the potential. And then, and even and then Haruka, you've got the like guys who are all about the the drill the drum and bass and you're like i like it too, but like haruka is a good example like i think we're probably not giving them credit like they pushed it forward again right they were like yeah, oh this yeah, is what they, we want and we're like and we all kind of got a sense of like that's close but not right and then we're gonna move on to the yeah. next thing so there's always like, the potential haruka, that it gets they're, there yeah they're uh they're kind of like bruce Springsteen, right they've been around for a long time people love to see them they're still you know they still show up Put on a yeah. good show. I don't know what the callback to the mainframe is. I don't know. Maybe that's like orchestra or big band or something. Rolling just Stones, like, man. It's just like it just they're, never they're goes away. So, I mean, it's back there. And they're know. still still selling out shows. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think I think my thing to think about that I'll I'll probably, you know, never do anything about is there's there's a, you know, as, as we look at these things each week, there's a, a common set of words that pop up in all this stuff, right? You're, you know, you're always uh you're always like getting an image from a repository you got to set up a route uh between these two things right an endpoint uh, i don't know yeah yeah yeah. and so so you know there there's 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 almost like what are what are those common components that you use in your architectures nowadays and you know i only know like the kind of operational infrastructure ones nowadays but there must be like a you know a, a common set of concepts that that you use maybe is it too simple cote just to say like i mean you have the front end which is always the wild wild west i know people won't like that but then it's like what are you going to do you're going to make a call to an endpoint that endpoint's going to be some type of service behind the scenes an api yeah yeah Yeah, but when you start getting into like the data stuff and the messaging and stuff that's a whole other frontier there's like well i think that's where it breaks down that's where people are like that's the moment where people are like i can't do what i want to do and they, well, no, and, no. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 the problem is there's like 40 patterns everywhere you look. Right. Well, that's probably a good place to wrap up on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Brandon, do we have any uh, any bureaucracy this week? Uh, a little bit, Cote, as uh, I know uh, you're, you're very uh, you've done a good job there as a parent, both podcasting and parenting tonight. Uh, I just want to say that I did send some stickers to Bruce here in Austin. So actually, it turns out I, I uh, actually knew Bruce uh, through actually through you, Cote, through a pivotal connection. So anyway, it was good to oh. hear from him again. Uh, I sent him a bunch of stickers. Uh, of course, if you want stickers, all you have to do is email me your postal address to uh, stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Also, a couple, couple other quick uh, pieces of feedback. A couple episodes ago, we talked a little bit about uh, Red Hat, and one of the, the theories we threw out is like, well, does Red Hats have some goal about, you know, do they staff all the open source projects they work on at some level? And so I, I heard through the grapevine, there's no official, if you will, uh, target or anything, but it sounds like Red Hat people try to have about 14, 15% of uh, people that are working uh, working on an open source project that's important to Red Hat. So I thought that was interesting. Like we talked a lot about, um, you know, various uh, leadership principles and like enforcement mechanisms and stuff like that. And I thought that was sort of an informal one for Red Hat. It's like, well, Red Hat's dedicated to open source. And how do you know that? Because 
you know, they dedicate 15% of their staff to work on open source projects that are important to them. So I thought that was really interesting. And then finally, we got a bunch of good feedback on the AWS episode last week. So appreciate everyone listening, put a lot of stuff in the Slack, um, you know, like our two pizza teams still called out. So like there was split, there was a little split up around that. Some people said, yes, two pizza teams, still a phrase that's used. Other people said it was single threaded leader. So I put some clips of the book in this software defined talk Slack. So if you're interested, you can see where at least I got some of that information. And there's a, a variety of discussion topics around whether people believe it's good or bad. And you can find all of that in the software defined talk Slack. Well, there's a few conferences coming up. There's uh, there's the Rabbit MQ Summit, July 13th and 14th of this year, 2021. And then, of course, you know, I started looking through some of the submissions for uh, our big conference, Spring One, September 1st and 2nd. You know, if you have a talk you want to submit, if you uh, you can get in touch with me, and, and uh, if it's interesting, I could probably still get it in. But you should check that out if you just go to springone.io. And then also, just as a little uh, self-serving ad, speaking of modernization, we have a webinar on uh, June 3rd that's going to be all about how we uh, we here in Tanzu land do modernization and the process we follow. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of our, our instance of uh, coincidentally uh, stuff we were talking about earlier. And it's it's uh, it's it's the EMEA one. So it's like, I don't know, at 2 p.m. Central European time. But whatever, I'll put a link in the show notes. I did a little ad for it, too, if you want to watch a video. But it's on uh, June 3rd. If you've got 3,000 or more applications... You can see how we would uh, we would help you out with that. There's some cool slides. Anyhow, uh, with that, what's your recommendation this week, Brandon? So my uh, recommendation is along the lines of the whole topic we've been talking about this whole episode. I've been uh, listening to uh, a podcast, Serverless Chats. It's by uh, Jeremy Daly. He's got uh, he's an AWS Serverless hero. So um, he's uh, it's quite an extensive, got a hundred episodes, really talking all about serverless. And I've been trying to get smarter about it, hear more about it, um, learn more about some of the deployment patterns and stuff like that. So if you kind of want to dive into, if you will, just the world of serverless, I check out uh, Jeremy. I've learned a lot already, and uh, if if I can make it happen, we'll have him on the show, and you know he can he can educate all of us on on what we need to know about serverless. So check it out, serverless chats. How about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend? Well, I uh, I got myself a new M1 MacBook Air, so mm. uh, um, I think it's a pick. But I, I I've I've hit some some uh, some bumps in the road uh, already. Uh, it turns out the the video uh, there's some some bugs in the uh, the GPU has uh, has trouble doing 60 hertz on uh, 4K monitors and yeah. I'm not alone in that complaint. Uh, it turns out a lot of people complain about that, but other than that, it's pretty rock solid. I so I, I made the upgrade from my my 2017 uh, MacBook Pro uh, to a MacBook Air, um, but uh, you know, 16 gigs of RAM, uh, SSDs, you know, all that fun stuff. But it's super fast. It's yeah. definitely noticeably faster and uh, completely silent. I, I don't I don't know if it has fans or not. Um, but I think the pro does, but I don't think the MacBook air actually has fans. And apparently is it, you know, unless the CPUs, uh, it just down throttles the CPU. If you, you know, try to max it out for like five or six minutes, which probably isn't going to happen too often. Uh, cause I usually just offload the beefier servers if I need to do something like that. Um, so, uh, I like it. It's a nice bit of hardware. And I also, um, 
made the the straight jump from Mojave all the way to Big Sur. So uh, I'm learning all sorts of weird new things about the Mac. And, uh, you know, come hang out on Slack and you can see me bitch about it. <laughs> well, my recommendation, I, it's, it's, uh, I'll see how it pans out. I have one use case that I, use case that I, I need to check up on. But I, uh, you know, I've been fiddling around a lot with videos, uh, as I've mentioned many times uh, here. And uh, I, I remembered that there's a virtual camera in OBS now that you don't have to, you know, go to GitHub and like kick off some, you know, static plugin build process on Azure or whatever. And uh, it's just built right into it. And uh, yeah, you just start it and then you get a camera listed in Zoom and other places. And then you can do all of your crazy OBS stuff. You can edit your output. Now, that seems like it would be fun. But my concern is that like, how does that affect the way Zoom works, right? Because I think in Zoom, like when you share your screen, like it makes everyone else's stuff different somehow. And I don't know if there's some way of distinguishing all of that, but uh, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of uh, fun room to like, you know, you could do the old hook your iPad up and have your, your face, you know, on it at the same time. Maybe even if you got super fancy, you can do that uh, writing on the glass wall in reverse thing that the kids love Ooh. so much. But I, you know, it'd be fun to have the ability, you know, as y'all can see to do that thing where like you just write a bunch of stuff around your head, I guess. I don't know. I'm not convinced about that, but it's, it's, uh, it's worth checking out, you know, just get your, if get yourself a copy of OBS and uh, mess around with the virtual camera, you can do all the settings that you want. Well, with that, as always, this has been software defined talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, which includes all sorts of links we talked about and many, many more that we didn't links to those conferences and that June 3rd webinar you should attend about how you can go through doing uh, modernization stuff. Uh, you go softwaredefinedtalk.com and uh, this is episode 300. So you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 300 to find this exact episode. You can join the Slack channel, all sorts of things like that. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause it's late. The dog's tired instead of yeah. full of energy and flower <laughs> he broke into oh my god i think he's figured out how to open the pantry he's broken into he ate like half a bag of of, of uh powdered sugar yesterday <laughs> and then today he, he tore open the 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 baking soda he didn't eat very much of that <laughs> no, that's good <laughs> oh man oh he, he ate he ate a bunch of bouillon cubes the other day it's like Ooh. he just keeps getting into the pantry it's like ah oh. yeah you know it's what i always realized with the uh with the with the the, the baby there is you know they she just doesn't know <laughs> <laughs>